but the power of Christ can change all of that. Now, that's what his grace and love are all about. He has the power and the love and the grace to change us and to set us free from our past. I want to welcome those who have joined us by way of the internet. Very thankful for your participation with us as we study God's Word. Thank you for being part of this sermon series. You should be able to download the same listening guide that we're using right here in the worship center at Eastside Baptist Church in Auburndale. Message today is about getting past my personal failures, my sins, my real need for God's forgiveness. You know, I, I need to get past those things that have held me back, things from my past that are still hanging on. I can't seem to break free from them. We might know that God has forgiven us, that he paid the price on Calvary's cross. We might know that the Bible says we're forgiven, but sometimes it's difficult for us to truly accept the fact that we are forgiven. Unfortunately, people walk around with a load of guilt and heaviness. They feel heaviness because of something they did, something that happened in their past. Perhaps it was a sexual past or something that happened to them or something that they did, and it just keeps hanging on. Maybe it was an abortion that took place. And the guilt of that and the heaviness of that stays with a person. Or perhaps the lies that have been told. Maybe you lied or cheated or stole something that didn't belong to you. Or you're plagued with a recurring sin problem called pornography. You're struggling with some kind of substance abuse. I've got great news. Our Heavenly Father loves you right where you are and has the power to set you free, transform your life, and give you a brand new future. That's the God we worship and serve. If I didn't believe that, I'd get out of the ministry. Bless you. Maybe it was some kind of a bad decision you made in the past. Now it's catching up with you. Or maybe you've been divorced. You carry some guilt from that failed marriage. You wish that it would have been different. Maybe if I'd tried harder. Or maybe if I'd prayed longer. Maybe if I'd just done something, I could have salvaged my marriage. And yet here you are. Maybe you're carrying the guilt like so many of us. The, you know, I just wish I'd been a better parent. Where did I go wrong? Where did I mess up? Look at my children and wonder if I failed as a parent. If I'd only been a better mom or a better dad, 
did something in the past and it's still holding on today. Just doesn't seem to want to let go. And instead of walking in the joy and the freedom of the gospel, instead of walking in the love that God has for me and the acceptance that he's given for me, instead of walking in his grace, his favor upon my life, I walk around with a load on my back, constantly experiencing defeat in my personal life. Years later, it's baggage, it's a weight, it's heaviness in your heart, and it's affecting you, and maybe it's affecting your marriage, maybe it's affecting your relationships, you just cannot seem to come to grips with your past. I want you to know, if you think I'm preaching right at you, you're right. How does he know all that? I, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying to you. The reason I know that is because every one of us is tangled up inside with a problem called sin. Every last one of us. Everybody's got a past. Everybody's got something they're struggling with. Why about you, preacher? Yeah, me too. Right there with you. I struggle to get past the past. I still let my mind drift and say, well, what if I could have... It doesn't do any good. The devil wants you to live in the past. He wants to keep you bound by your past. God wants you to experience joy and his presence and his grace and his love in the present, and he wants to give you a brand new future. But if you carry the past into the future, I guarantee you it'll be there. I did a little Google search. I just typed in the two words, personal failure. Here's what came up. This is a this is a sculpture in stone. Does that guy look happy? <laughs> if you were to describe if you were to describe that, what would you say? What would you, would you say misery? Would you say regret? Would you say, oh my goodness, failure, personal failure. And this picture also came up. Here's another guy. Does he look happy? <laughs> he looks pretty frustrated. He looks kind of discouraged to me. Do you think that's the way God wants you to live? Of course not. He doesn't want you to live beat down and defeated and always wondering, where am I going to find some real joy and peace and meaning and purpose and love, and where am I going to find that? Because every time I search for it, I'm disappointed. Now, I want to suggest to you, maybe you're searching in the wrong places. Then here's another. That guy looks like he's listening. 
I'd say this is a husband and a wife. This is a picture. And the wife is trying to make a point with a husband who just doesn't get it. Right? Do you think that's the way God wants marriage to operate? Of course not. He wants us to experience joy and peace and freedom and genuine love and loyalty and faithfulness. And he wants us to have a dynamic relationship with our spouse. But we violate his word and all of a sudden all this stuff comes crashing in on us and we wonder why. Personal failure. You know, I've started off this message listing a whole bunch of things that really do apply to most of us in here. You might feel like me. You might feel overwhelmed. I got news for you. When I was reading over my notes, I got overwhelmed. I said, oh my goodness. That's pretty discouraging. You might even feel like David in the Psalms. He felt overwhelmed by nagging feelings of guilt and failure. Listen, King David, the one who was described as a man after God's own heart, he was unfaithful. He committed adultery. Is there forgiveness there? Of course there is. He failed in his personal life. He failed his own children. He was a miserable parent. But he's still called a man after God's own heart. He's the one who penned most of the songs that you find so comforting. I wonder why. Maybe it's because God wants to use painful things in our lives to give us a deeper personal relationship with Him. David failed. He was an adulterer, a murderer, a terrible parent, and yet God forgave him. That's great news, isn't it? great news for all of us that we can experience God's forgiveness. Now, this whole sermon series has been about forgiveness. My need to forgive people who've hurt me, my need to ask for forgiveness from people that I've offended, my need to personally experience God's forgiveness in my past. Well, the scriptures are very clear. God has gone to great lengths to convince us that he has truly forgiven us. I want to read this passage in Psalm 103. It's a great passage about the Lord's mercies. And this is one of those psalms that we attribute to uh, David. Here's what he says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. 
wait a minute, this guy's an adulterer and a murderer and a terrible parent, and he's worshiping God? Yes, he is. Because no matter where you come from, God is worthy to be worshipped. Amen? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. No matter what you've been through, God has great blessings for you. Who forgives all your iniquities. Would you like to know what that little word all means? It means all. All my iniquities. The Bible uses some different terms for our sins. The word sin means to fall short or miss the mark. That is, none of us really measure up. Not one of us. The very best of us fall short of the glory of God. We miss the mark. That's the word sin. You miss the mark. You don't measure up. You may feel like, I've been going all my life with that. I mean, I don't measure up. Seems like nothing I do is good enough. Well, guess what? That is true of every one of us when it comes to God. None of us measure up. That's the word sin. Then there's this word transgression which means to go beyond what the law allows. To go beyond what God says is permissible. And we've done things that violate His Word. And there are consequences to that. And then there's this word iniquities that's used in Scripture. And it's, a, it's the moral failures that all of us have. Your failure as a parent that fit into that category. That's an iniquity. Your failure in divorce, you know. Divorce is a failure. No matter what you look at, it's a failure. It's a failure between two people who have not loved and trusted God enough. And it happens a lot, and it's sad. It breaks my heart. It's one of those iniquities. And what does it say here? Who forgives all your iniquities except divorce. Is that what it says? All your iniquities except immorality. All your iniquities except abortion. All your iniquities except homosexuality. All your iniquities except... All your iniquities. All of them. Who heals all your diseases. Listen, friend, if you got healed... It was God who did it. If you survive something, it's God who gets the credit. If you get through something, it's God who gets the credit. Ultimately, all healing is a result of God's grace upon your life. Who redeems your life from destruction. What this means is you're on a path of self-destruction and God grabs you and brings you back. And he will do that for you if you'll ask him. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. You know what this means? God is just waiting to show you his loving kindness and his tender mercy if you'll let him. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. 
What this means is God provides everything that you need on a daily basis. If you enjoy a good meal, guess who gave it to you? The Lord, which is why we bow our heads and say grace. Thank you, Father, for providing everything we get is coming to us from his gracious hand. Don't forget his benefits. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in mercy. This is the God we worship. He's not standing over you with a big club just waiting for you to make a mistake. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is just standing over you waiting for an opportunity to show you His love and mercy. That's the God we worship and serve. He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not, listen to verse 10, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. You say, well, I guess I'm getting what I deserve. Friend, listen carefully. Anything less than hell is better than you deserve. Hmm. The Bible says here that God is not dealing with you according to your sins. If he was, you'd be dead. Well, the wages of sin is... He's not sitting around punishing you because you did something wrong. Yes, there are consequences of violating His Word, but it's not punishment from God. He's simply allowing you to taste the consequences of your own selfishness. But He stands behind you with a boatload of mercies ready to dump them on you if you'll just turn to Him. He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone, and its place remembers it no more. Here's what he's saying. Listen. Listen carefully. Life is very short. Don't waste it. Verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. If you love the Lord, if you want to honor him, he has blessings and mercies just pouring out upon you and upon your children. Oh my, what a great passage of Scripture. To such as keep His covenant, to those who remember His commandments to do Him, the Lord has established His throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. He's just reminding us that He's in control. 
You're not in control. The government's not in control. God is in control. Bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. That coming from an adulterer and a murderer and a poor parent. my personal failures do not dictate my future. Such a great passage of Scripture gives us three ways that I can move past my past. How can I get past my failures? Get past my past and start living in the grace of God and the power of God for today, the forgiveness of God and the love of God for today and for my future. That's where God wants me to live. He sure doesn't want me to live according to the guilt of my past, the failures of my past. He doesn't want me dwelling there. He wants me dwelling on His mercies that are new every moment. He wants me dwelling upon His unfailing love, His abiding peace, His amazing grace. He wants me dwelling there. He wants me living out my life according to what He has said about me. I'm His child. And that stuff that happened to me in the past doesn't matter anymore. If you're willing to believe that, if you're willing to receive it, He can set you free and you can have a brand new future. You don't have to keep repeating the same failures over and over again. So here's three ways to move past my past. First of all, recognize that my biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. What about abortion? Isn't that murder? Abortion is a horrible sin. Abortion's wrong. It's based in, de in deception. You can justify it any way you want, but it's still taking another human life. But can God forgive that? Say yes. Of course he can. Remember, David was a murderer. What did God say? I have forgiven all of your iniquities. That doesn't mean you go out and commit murder so you can know God's forgiveness. It just means that God's forgiveness extends beyond your biggest sin. His grace. So if God's forgiveness and grace extend beyond your biggest sin, maybe they can extend beyond everybody else's too. Listen to Romans 5.20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, let's see what it says here. But where sin increased, let's see what it says here. But where sin increased, grace, what? Abounded all the more. You say, well, all my past is just piled up and I can't seem to get past it. And God says, hey, I got grace for all of that. My grace is bigger and greater than all of that. That's what God says. 
That's not my idea. That's what God says. That's right out of his word. In fact, let's read it again. You ready? Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. There are no exceptions there. Grace abounded all the more. So my biggest sin is overwhelmed by God's grace. In the text we just read, God says that He removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. He's trying to say something to us here. I've taken your sins and I've removed them from you. Don't dwell in them. They're as far away from you as the east is from the west. You can't get any further than that. Now he tells us that whatever the sins, whatever the failures, whatever the bad decisions, there is a grace that abounds for you and for me. Listen, guilt paralyzes us, but grace sets us free. What is grace? God's favor upon us. Unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor from God. Here's the thing. If it were up to me, I wouldn't give you grace. I'd say, come on, you need to earn some of this. God shouldn't be that good to you. If it was up to me, I would say, you know, y'all need to come to church a little more often, and you need to pay your tithes, and you need to take the Lord's Supper, and you need to serve the Lord some more, and you need to do some more stuff to earn this grace. And you know what God says to that? That's right. <laughs> God says that's not the way it works. Grace is given to those who do not deserve it. You say, I don't deserve it. Well, you're the perfect candidate to receive it. In fact, that's the only requirement. All you have to do is admit that you don't deserve it. God's favor upon you. You say, I didn't do anything to earn that. That's the point. God's amazing grace. 1 John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins, then God is faithful to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Except abortion. Except my addiction to drugs. Except my anger. Except, is that what it says? Except my divorce. Except the murder. Except the lying. Except the things that I did to others. Except, what? Is that what it says? What does it say? To cleanse us from what? From all unrighteousness. So here's God trying to convince us. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Anything that doesn't measure up to God's standard, it's forgiven if we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who paid for it. So if God declares you forgiven, then who are you to say you're not? He's trying to convince us. 
He's gone to great lengths to teach us this truth. In fact, in Jeremiah 31, 34, it says this, God says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So you say, okay, well, God, what about that abortion I had? Can I really be forgiven for that? He says, I don't remember any abortion. What about my drunken stupor? I don't remember any drunkenness. What about when I lied? I'm sorry, I, I don't remember that. What about when I cheated then? I'm sorry, I don't remember that. What about when I rebelled against you? What about when I said I wouldn't do that? I'm sorry, I don't remember that. Listen, the Bible says God intentionally, purposely says, I will remember their sins no more. He's going to great lengths to try to convince us that we shouldn't be living in our past. He's trying to teach us a life principle. That is, live in the present. The joy, the forgiveness, the love, the grace of God, the unearned favor of God. Live in that moment. Don't live in your past. If you allow it, your past will destroy your future. That's a pause for effect. You have to think about that. If you allow it, your past will destroy your future. It'll destroy your relationships. It'll destroy your marriage. It'll destroy your parent-child relationship. It'll destroy the way you handle money. It'll if that past will come and grab you and destroy you, if you let it. God's trying to say to us, He's trying to convince us, don't let it. Just take the cross of Jesus Christ and put it between you and your past. And just post it there and say, no more. That past is not going to control my future. This is something that all of us struggle with. The devil loves to remind us about our failures. Here's the second way to move past my past. Realize that you are not defined by what you've done. You are defined by what God says about you. You are not defined by what you've done. You are defined by what God says about you. He's the one that created you. You may have lied or cheated or done something else that's wrong. You may have failed as a parent or failed in your marriage or failed in your job. But because of the power of Christ, you, according to Scripture, are a new person with a new life and a new destiny. Don't let your past define you. Let the Lord who saved you define you. 
this is a great verse, and we've talked about it in this series, and I, I just want to emphasize it again this morning. Watch this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means you're saved. That means you've committed your life to Jesus Christ. It means you've trusted Him as your Savior. You believe that He died for you and rose again. If anyone is in Christ, anyone, anyone, he is a new creation. Listen, the old has passed away. It's the same term as that is used to describe somebody who died. That old part of you, it's dead and gone. How much of that old part of you is dead and gone? Every bit of it. You became a new creation. A new person in Christ Jesus. Yeah, you still have your personality. Of course you do. You still have your memories. Of course you do. But you don't allow that past, that old person to control who you are today. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. You know what I'm asking God to do in my life? You might want to start praying this way. God, help me to live out of the truth of what you say I am. Help me to live out the truth that I am your child, that I am righteous in Christ Jesus, that I am totally and completely cleansed and forgiven that I have new life in you, that I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit. I'm sealed by the one who promised he would never leave me nor forsake me. I have a new home and a new future and a new hope. I have a new power to live. Sin does not control me any longer. I'm controlled by the Spirit of the living God. This is what he says about every person who is in Christ. Every person. Shannon just became a Christian not too long ago. Everything I just said about me is also true for her. And she's a brand new Christian. Will she have to grow into that? Of course she will. She'll have to grow into understanding who she is in Christ Jesus. But the Bible says it's true of her because it's any person who is in Christ. That's what the Scripture says. That's the Word of God. That's the power of God. That's the grace of our God. When you become a child of God, you become a new person with a new identity. The old has passed away. Leave it there. Don't resurrect those old things that used to be true about you. Why do you go digging them up? Just leave them alone. Just plant the cross there and say, no more. I've got an illustration that I just want to share with you. You know, the scripture in Colossians chapter 2 talks about how God disposes of our sins. 
He paid for them at the cross of Jesus Christ, right? How much of your sin was paid for? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Every bit of it. You mean at the cross of Jesus Christ, every sin that I would ever commit was paid for. How about the sins next year? Already paid for. You really believe that? How much of your sin was in the future when Jesus died on the cross? Every bit of it. And he paid for how much of it? All of it. So here's here's my sin. Let's see, there's some lies. There's some lust. There's some cheating. Oh my goodness, we ran out of room. Oh, there's more in the back. Stealing. Divorce. How come you know about this? Unloving. Unkind. Judgmental. On and on and on it goes. Do you know the Bible says that the Lord Jesus came across with his blood? He just did like this. He just did like that. Took his blood and washed it away. But you know what else it says? It says he took all those handwriting. That hurt. <laughs> no, you know, he took all of it. This is for illustration purposes, right? He took all those things and he nailed them to his cross. He took them out of the way so that nobody can ever bring a charge against you again. That was my wife's blackboard. I'm going to pay for that. <laughs> Do you get the point? Okay, the, the point is very simply. God has gone to great lengths to tell you He's wanting to set you free from your past. What a great God. Ouch. Number three, remember you cannot change your past, but the power of Christ can change your future. You can't change your past. There's nothing you can do. You can't back up time and go back and redo things. You might play that in your mind and say, well, I wish I'd done this, and I wish I'd done that, wish I'd never done that, wish I'd never said that. You know, you can go back and replay that old tape again and again and again. You know, you can just download that stuff and just keep it in your inbox, and you can keep it there all you want to, but my advice to you is delete it forever. You can't change your past, but the power of Christ... The living Lord Jesus Christ who defeated sin, death, and hell. The one who rose from the grave. This same Jesus lives in you. He can give you a new future. Listen to uh, Philippians chapter 3. Verse 13. Listen. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own. But one thing I do, listen, listen, 
forgetting what lies behind. And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's just focus on two important actions that God wants us to take. Number one, forgetting the past. Number two, pressing on. Don't let your past control your future. Pressing on for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Keeping my eyes on Him. That word forgetting, interesting word in the Greek language. It means to treat with thoughtless inattention. It means to willfully neglect. It means to leave behind intentionally. It means to banish from one's thoughts. It means to disregard. It means to cease remembering. Some of us have a spiritual enemy that's been haunting us with our past. But now you and I need to treat that with thoughtless inattention. We need to willfully we need to willfully neglect that label that's held us hostage. We need to intentionally turn our backs on sin. We need to banish from our thoughts the lies of the evil one. We need to disregard, on purpose, other people's ill opinions of us. We need to remember that Christ has forgiven us. We need to remember that you are not what other people say you are. You are, in fact, what God says you are. His child forever. There's no sin you've committed too great for God and His grace. You can't change your past, but the power of the Lord Jesus Christ can and will change your future if you let Him. You know, I have friends in the counseling ministry. They tell me that one of the major things they deal with, people who are struggling with anxiety and depression, they said about 90% of all the cases that they deal with could be dealt with immediately if people would just accept the fact that they're forgiven. They could just accept the fact that God has forgiven them, truly forgiven them, and set them free. 90% of the counseling cases, 90% of the problem would go away. Isn't that amazing? Yet all of us walk around feeling like failures. 
because the stuff we did in the past, and yeah, we made some stupid decisions, and yes, we made some mistakes, but those things don't have to control you. Because of the power of Christ, you don't have to be controlled by those things. Christ came to make you a new creation, to give you a new hope and a new future. He came to work in your life and in mine to transform our lives and set us free from all this junk that's going on. That's what He wants for you. That's what He wants for me. Would you join me in prayer? You know, there's no better time than right now to ask for God's forgiveness. There's somebody here today that would say, I I need God's forgiveness. I need to be saved today. I, I need to become a child of God. I don't want this past to control me anymore. I want to become a child of God. I want to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. I, I've never committed my life to Him before, but I want to do that today. That's me. That's what I want. I'm ready to be done with sin and with all that junk controlling me from my past. I want a new future. I want to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I'm ready to commit my life to Him today. If that's you, would you stand up? Right where you are. I'm asking you to stand up in front of other people. Thank you, brother. I'm asking you to stand up in front of other people because the Bible talks about us confessing our faith before other people. And if you're not willing to do that in here where everybody's cheering for you, you'll never make it out there where everybody's standing against you. So if that's you, I'd ask you to stand to your feet and say, yes, that's me. I, I need Christ. Yeah. I need Him. He's my Savior. Yeah. All right, as we come in this time of prayer before the Father, is there anyone here that would say, you know, the past has had way too much power over me? I'm ready to be free from it. And today, I'm asking God to set me free from my past. And to walk, I want to walk in the freedom that He's purchased for me at the cross. I want that for my life. I want that grace and forgiveness. I want that love to be the controlling power in my life. Yes, I'm a child of God, but I need to ask Him to set me free from my past. Would you stand up, please? If that's you, that's where you are today, would you stand up? Amen. Amen. Listen, you don't have to be ashamed. You can stand right up. I'm standing up. Why do you think I'm standing up? I need that same thing, friend. I don't want the past controlling me. I do not want to be controlled by anything in my past. I want to be controlled by the Spirit of God. And I want his future for me. Amen? All right. You join me as we pray together. Dear Father, you see not only our stand for you today,
our declaration of desire for freedom from our past. But you see what's really going on in our hearts. And so we're asking you today to seal this decision in our hearts and set us free from our past so that we're not controlled by fear and anger and frustration and we're not controlled by guilt from the past. We're not controlled by our personal failures. We're controlled by your amazing grace, your unfailing love, your abiding peace, your personal presence in our lives. We ask you to give us a brand new future, Lord. That future that you've designed for us, for your honor and glory. We dedicate ourselves to you. We commit our lives to you today. The powerful name that's above every name, name of the Lord Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated.